brushed off its wounds and then watched it soar into the sky. If he's mindful of creation, on this I can depend. I am his and I can place all my trust in Him. I can trust Jesus. I can trust Jesus. He never once
can trust Jesus. He takes care of me.
Greet somebody as the choir comes on down. Tell them it's good to see you this morning.
All right, we've been uh, we've been studying in the New Testament uh, ever since the beginning of December. We've been studying the Marys in the Bible, in the New Testament, in the Bible, and uh, we've learned that there's a lot of them. <laughs> that's for sure. And uh, so today we're going to study one that is, um, I would say, probably. Uh, She's most unique of all. Uh, well, no, she couldn't be the most unique because certainly Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, but apart from Mary, the mother of Jesus, of all the other Marys, she's probably the most unique. Uh, even, even concerning her name, she is the most unique. Uh, and you say, well, her name is Mary. But her name is identifiable uh, as Mary for only one reason, and we're going to talk about that in, in just a minute. But if you have your Bible, you can take it and turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 16. You can, uh, and we're going to read from there first, but you also might want to, um, you might want to uh, kind of put your uh, finger or thumb or a marker at Matthew chapter number 20, verse number 20. But we're going to begin in Mark chapter number 16, and we're going to read... Uh, first three verses of that uh, of that chapter and then we're going to pray and then we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew 20 verses 20 to 23 as part of the heart of the message and so you it'd be a good idea if you already know where we're going there I, I've really enjoyed the study of uh, of Mary it, I, I haven't really figured out exactly what to, I know I know it's a it's not a character study of the Bible because there's lots of Marys there's seven of them in all now, we're not going to look at all seven. We're almost finished. We have this Mary, and then we have one more. We might mention the others, but we're not going to go through all seven of them. Uh, but uh, there's seven, seven Marys that we know of for sure in the New Testament, and, uh, uh, and that, that's a lot that we uh, to kind of get through. So it's not a character study because it's seven different people. But it's also not a book study because it's in all four uh, all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and they're mentioned in the book of Acts, some of the Marys are. So you've got, you've got the book of Acts, you've got uh, all four Gospels, so it's not a book study because it's in all these different books. Uh, so I really don't know what kind of study it is other than Brother Harriet truly is Bible study. <laughs> and it's a very interesting study, amen. At least to me, maybe not to you, but I have learned an awful lot in this study. I thought I knew a little bit about the Marys in the Bible until I started back uh, last, last year. It would have been probably around the middle of September. I started putting these together. And uh, when I started looking at all the different Marys of the Bible and where they are and what they did, uh, I was surprised at how little I really knew about the Marys of the Bible. And sometimes that's good for us, amen? Uh, because I've been preaching all these years. And uh, I, as a matter of fact, I'll re, I'll, I'm going to mention this and we'll read and we'll get started. If you're wondering, I got all kind of time. You're going to get out of here so early. You're just not going to believe it. We'll be out before two. Uh, I mean, it's just going to be amazing. But um, the other day, uh, we were talking with a fella, and I had my Bible with me, and, uh, and, uh, but it had nothing to I wasn't there for a. Re, uh, for a religious purpose. I wasn't there specifically as a pastor or whatever. It just so happened that I had my Bible with me. Now, isn't that interesting? That I was somewhere 
I wasn't making a visit. I wasn't going to a church meeting. But I, I just happened to have my Bible with me. Wow. I, I didn't even think about that till the other day. I thought, how is it that I just happened to have my Bible with me that day? Might be a good idea to have your Bible with you every once in a while. Even when you're not going to church. Might be a good. Some of you have to look for it before you go to church, don't you? I mean, be honest. Be honest. Hun, where did I put my Bible? Well, honey, we put it over there on his bookshelf. Well, it ain't there now. <laughs> well, well, I don't know who would have got it. I know you didn't get it. <laughs> no, I know, I know we've got a lot of good Bible readers in the church, and I happen to have my Bible with me. And he said to me, he said, I don't understand you preachers. <laughs> he said, how in the world can you come up with three sermons a week just out of that one book <laughs> oh how little he knows amen let me tell you there's more in this book than we could preach in a thousand lifetimes uh, there is so much there and the more I read it and the more I study it uh, the more real it becomes to me uh, and you know that's a thrilling thing when I was a teenager and I was in youth group I think that was the first time, I was about 14 years old, 14 or 15. It was the first time I really just, just sensed the wonderful, almost overwhelming presence of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that time in your life? The first time? I do. I was in youth group, and, and I, I really believe that's the, I mean, I'd, I was saved. I got saved when I was 12. And, uh, and, and I'd been in good meetings where the Holy Spirit moved. But when I was a teenager, it was the first time I just really felt the overwhelming power of the Spirit of God. I mean, it, and you know, at that moment I thought, there's no way, <laughs> Brother Jim, I said, there's just no way it could ever be any more real than this. I could never sense the reality of the Lord any more than this. Oh, how little I knew. <laughs> I know the Lord more real today. He is more genuine in my heart. I sense His presence more fully than I ever, ever dreamed when I was a teenager. Just e e even as real as it was then, it's just amazing. All right, let's get into the, uh, into the book this morning and let's see what the Lord has for us. If you have found Matt, uh, Mark, Mark chapter number 16, we're going to read the first three verses. If you would stand with us, please in the honor of the reading of the Word of God. And when the Sabbath, Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun and they said amongst themselves, amongst themselves, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher. Dear Lord, we pray you'd help us in the understanding of the Word of God. We pray that you might speak to us of a truth, and Lord, that we might draw something out today uh, that might make a difference in our Christian life. Lord, those among us today who have never trusted you, those who are uncertain, unsettled, unsure of where they'll spend eternity, Lord, I pray they would not leave this morning the same way they came. Lord, I pray that before they leave this building, they would come to a saving knowledge of Christ everlasting. 
where they wouldn't wait. They wouldn't put it off. They, they wouldn't try to find another time. They wouldn't make excuses in their mind and in their heart as to why this is not a good day, why this is not a good time, while there'll be a better place or a better time uh, in the future. But today would be their day of salvation. Just as you said, uh, you said, behold now, behold today is the day of salvation. We pray that this day, the now day, would be their day to come to Jesus Christ. And then we'll be careful, dear Lord, to give you the praise for all you do among us. For we make our prayer in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Now, we have Mary mentioned in Mark chapter number 16. And to be honest, uh, we have her mentioned that this is the only time that her name is actually mentioned in the scriptures. Uh, and I don't... Uh, I don't, uh, you know, I don't mean to confuse you, but this is the, uh, how do we know then were the other times? Well, we'll talk about that just a little bit, not a whole lot. Uh, but this is the one and only time that her name is mentioned. And the funny thing about it is, is that her name mentioned in chapter number uh, 16, verse 1, uh, is, it's the name that's mentioned is not Mary. I want you to follow along with me as we read uh, the first verse of chapter 16 of Mark. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, that's not who we're talking about, and Mary the mother of James, that, that's not who we're talking about, and Salome, that's who we're talking about, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. So the reason I start with this passage of the scriptures, I want to say several things. Number one, the reason I start is because it's the one place where this name Salome appears. Now Salome is a name that does appear another time uh, uh, in the New Testament, but it's not this Salome that's mentioned. There's two Salomes in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, there's a great sermon on the two, serm uh, the two Salomes uh, in the New Testament. Uh, and I'm trying to remember who it is that uh, uh, F.B. Meyer preached a great sermon on the two Salomes in the, uh, in the Bible, in the New Testament. There is the Salome that we're talking about right here, and that's the righteous Salome. And then there is the Salome uh, who happens to be uh, the wife of Herodias. Do you know what this Salome did? This Salome sent her daughter in uh, to dance for, uh, for Herod the king, and when she, when she danced for Herod the king and then came out, uh, the king was so moved by her dance that he said, what, whatever you want, I'll give it to you, up to half the kingdom. And so what did she ask for? Anybody know? The head of John the Baptist, exactly right. So we have the righteous Salome who is standing this day just yards away from the from the tomb where Jesus has been buried. And she also is there the day, uh, the three days before when he's crucified. She's part of the entourage, the women that are there. Uh, but here she's standing with the sweet spices to anoint the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're talking among themselves and they're saying, Who's going to roll this stone away? So you say, well, if her name is Salome, why is she listed as one of the Marys in the New Testament? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to get to that in just a moment, okay? Uh, but, but right now, I, I want to uh, dwell on this idea of where we see her, okay? And who she really is. So she's Salome, 
and she is with them on the day of the crucifixion, and now she is with them, and she's standing uh, very near. So this person, whoever she is, Salome, uh, this person is a person who is part of the discipleship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want you to, uh, that's going to come back to us in just a minute or two, so hang on to that, that fact. She is part of the discipleship of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, most scholars believe that she is she and her husband uh, are very instrumental in the financing of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's something that we rarely mention and rarely talk about and rarely think about is how was the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ financed. And one of the reasons is because we remember that passage of Scripture where they came to Jesus and they said, show us where you live. And he said, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, uh, but the Son of Man have no place to lay his head. What he was talking about was at that particular point in his ministry, he was traveling so often. He was moving so much. He was on the move day after day after day that he had no place to call his home. And it also meant that at this particular juncture in the existence of the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, he did not call home the earth. The earth is not his home. Do you know there's going to be a day when it will be his home? Amen. He's going to sit on the throne of his father David and he's going to rule. And praise God, hallelujah, and glory to his name for that. But he is emphasizing the fact that his, that his ministry is such that he has no stopping point and he has no place to call home. Okay? That's really important. I hope you'll get it somewhere along the line. Jesus did not call earth home during the 33 and a half years that he lived here. Pretty, pretty interesting. No. So, so we don't really think of the financing of it. But we know there was financing. How do we know? Well, we know, first of all, that the betrayer who is Judas Iscariot, we know that he had the bag. He was the treasurer. He took care of the money. We also know that Peter came in and said, Lord, they want us to pay taxes. How are we going to pay taxes? And he said, I'll tell you what you do. You go down to the, you go down to the sea uh, and you throw in a hook and whatever you catch, you open its mouth and you'll get the money and you'll pay the taxes. That's the way I pay my tax every year. Shh, they're looking for me. No, no, I'm not really. I, I, do, I do pay my, boy, do I pay my taxes. I thought you had to make money to pay taxes. Uh, well, I won't get up on that. That's way too much preaching for today. Uh, so, but, but I want you to know that his ministry did have to be financed. Do you remember this? Do you remember when the, when when the 5,000 were fed and the, uh, and the little lad came with the five loaves and the two fishes? Do you remember what happened before that? Before that, Jesus looks at Philip and he says, Philip, how are we going to feed all this crowd? He said, I don't know. He said, Judas is telling me we only got uh, $200 and uh, it ain't going to feed this group. It ain't even going to give a little bit for anyone. So what, what do we know? We know that somebody had to finance the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is very, very, very likely that Salome is one of the people that financed the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ out of their donations, out of their giving. Not only did she finance the ministry, but apparently she followed the ministry where they went. She went from place to place with him. How do we know this? Well, we know this, number one, because here she is 
at the sepulcher. We also know this because we're gonna, we see her earlier and she's at the cross. But we also know because we're going to see her in an earlier incident. And, uh, and uh, she would have no reason to be where she is if she were not following the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. So she was one of those disciples that traveled. Remember I told you that all of the apostles are disciples, but not all of the disciples are apostles. There's 12 apostles, only 12. And you say, well, there's 13, 14, you know, there's Judas who killed himself, and then there's Matthias, and then there's Paul, uh, who is, uh, uh, you know, who is the, uh, the apostle uh, uh, who is uh, out of time. He doesn't belong in that time frame. Well, that may be true, but in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, until his crucifixion, there's 12 apostles and only 12. But there's lots and lots of disciples. The apostles are the closest group to Jesus. And then the disciples have many levels. Do you know it's still that way today? Do you know there's some people that walk really close to Jesus? Do you know that? I mean, they walk really close to Jesus. We were talking this morning about, uh, about people that we loved who have already gone uh, to glory. And uh, I was talking about Jimmy Williams. Y'all remember Jimmy <laughs> from down in Tennessee? I remember Jimmy so well. Oh my goodness, I love that man. I look forward to seeing him in glory. But uh, but he he it was just it was just wonderful to be around him. You know he 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 was just so full of life. Now he was a man that walked with God. He was a young man, younger than me, at the time. I know I'm not young now, but at the time when I was in my thirties, he was younger than me. He was he he started out serving the Lord. He was thirty. Uh, 30 years old when he surrendered to the ministry of missions and served with us on the field uh, in Wales and then served here uh, as, a, as a missionary pastor and, uh, and leader uh, of missionary men. He was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man of God. He walked with God. And then I think about Walter Burrell. Oh, my goodness. Y'all remember Walter? I called Walter up on the phone one No, Walter called me on the phone one time. We were good friends, and we traveled an awful lot together. Being here, having him here was just a tiny smidgen uh, of my relationship with, uh, with, with Dr. Walter Burrell. We traveled a lot of different places and preached in a lot of meetings together. But anyway, he called me up one day. He said, hey, Brother Moore. Now, he always talked like he was, had something in his mouth. He said, hey, Brother Moore, he said, uh, I'm supposed to be in revival with you this fall. Do you know what the date is? <laughs> and I said, well, let me look at the calendar. So I opened up the calendar, and I told him, and he said, oh, okay. He said, well, I was out here in the barn the day you called me, and he said, I wrote the number on the two before. And he said, since I wrote the number on the two before, my son-in-law came in here and painted the barn. <laughs> oh, but I'm telling you, some of the sweetest times I've ever had in the Holy Spirit was when Brother Walter Burrell was preaching or giving devotion or praying or sitting around the table talking about the Bible. He walked with God. Hey, most of us don't walk with God like that. If there was apostles today, he'd have been one of them. He'd have been one of them. No, the rest of us, we're just disciples. We're out here at different stages of our walk with the Lord, and some are getting to walk a little bit closer, but some are walking further away. Let me tell you something. Salome was a woman who walked with God. 
She walked with the Savior. She was a disciple, but she was a following disciple. She was not just a disciple when Jesus came to town. He had lots of disciples that were just disciples when he came to town. But when his entourage moved on, they stayed put. That's not Salome. When his entourage moved on, she moved on too. Hey, has Jesus ever come through your community? Has he ever come through your church? Has he ever visited you during revival? Has he ever moved upon you during youth group? Has he ever stirred you when you were in a great revival meeting? Did you ever feel his wonderful presence when you were under the tent and the man of God was proclaiming the truth of eternal scripture? Have you ever sensed him? But then when you got out from under the tent, when you got away from the youth group, when you got out of the church house, somehow you just didn't sense his presence that real anymore uh-uh. not Salome <laughs> when Jesus got ready to go she went with him you know she said, I'm going you ain't leaving me I'm going with you she followed the Lord Jesus Christ this Salome's an interesting lady I told you she was unique but she's also unique for another reason because her name is Mary Salome and she has this name for a very specific reason. And, and I hope you can follow me a little bit here with this. So Mary Salome was the daughter of Mary, and she was the wife of Zebedee, and the mother of James and John, the sons of thunder. I didn't give you the title of my message, but if you want the title of my message, it is the mother of the sons of thunder. But if I had told you that at the beginning of the message, I would have stolen my own thunder. I thought that was funny, but apparently nobody else did. So look, you got the silly preacher and you got the grumpy preacher. A uh, preacher. You got the silly preacher today. You better love him because the grumpy preacher is just around the corner. Okay? He's right around. All right. So, but, but listen to me carefully so you can kind of get this in your heart and in your mind. So her name, uh, she was the daughter of Mary. She was the wife of Zebedee and she was the ma uh, mother of James and John who were known as the son of sons of thunder. Why was she known as Mary Salome? The reason she was known as Mary Salome is because she was the daughter of Mary and evidently, evidently her father had died before she married. And because her father died before she was married, she was not identified as being under the care of her father. Now, we, we don't really think of it in, terms, uh, in these terms anymore, but there's reasons for everything we do at a wedding. Did you know that? And, and so when I gave my daughter away, uh, everybody was always saying, you know, her mother and I, uh, you know, who gives this woman to be wedded to this man, her mother and I. I didn't say that. I said, I do. And you say, well, that's, you're, that's because you're, you know, you're one of these um, masonistic, is that the right word? I don't know. Uh, you're one of these guys, you know, that thinks that it's all men. And No, I, I'm really honest. Listen, I, I, know, I know that a man is the head of his house as long as the wife will let him. I'm, I'm aware of that. I, I'm, I know. So why did I do that that day? Because biblically, a woman was supposed to be under the care of a man whether she was a daughter, whether she was a wife, whoever she was. Do you realize that Mary and Martha, uh, their brother Lazarus was probably the youngest of the three, but, it was, but he was the one 
that that was supposed to be the caregiver because they were the women and he was the brother. And that's just the way it was in biblical times. And so when your daughters get married, you're giving the care of your daughter over to someone else. Now, if you want to say my, uh, his mother now, that's fine. There's no problem with that. It's not anti-biblical or anything like that. But what you're saying is the mother and I have shared the, uh, the protection and the care of this daughter all through the years. But biblically, in the time of Christ it was the only the man who had that responsibility the wives were off the hook they didn't carry that responsibility let me tell you something our world would be a little bit better if we didn't completely forget that husbands it's up to you to make the living you say, well, if it wasn't for my wife, we wouldn't make it. I'm not against wives working. My wife worked for 15 years. She, she works today for the church and for the GPA. But for 15 years, she worked outside the home, uh, and, uh, and she worked for a mission board, and we needed her salary. That's why she went to work. Amen, hallelujah. Get to what you do, right? Amen? All right. But, fellas, it's your responsibility to make sure it's taken care of. If there's not enough coming in, it's your responsibility to figure out what to do. Amen? And if you're going to protect the household, it's up to you. Hey, I love the idea of a, of a dad or a granddad sitting on the front porch with a shotgun to protect his family from those that are headed his way. I, I'm not opposed to that. I got a shotgun. Amen? And I'll be happy to sit on the front porch or the back porch or wherever it is. If I thought enemies were coming and my wife and children were inside, you better believe I'd stand there with that gun. Of course I would. That's what men were supposed to do. So her, her father died young, and because her father died, there was no man to carry her protection. And so she was known as a woman without a protector, and so they identified her as being the daughter of Mary, and she took on the name Mary Salome because that was her mother's name and identified her two ways. Number one, it identified her as an individual who did not have a father or a husband, and number two, it identified her with the family of Mary. And that's why her name was Mary Salome. Pretty interesting, huh? Then, if you'll notice, several times she's, she's mentioned as the mother of James and John. She is the wife of Zebedee. They're, they're his children. Now, having kind of cleared that up, let's take a look at the real heart of the message, okay? We're going to come down to Matthew. We're going to turn over to Matthew. I told you we'd get there, and we do. We're going to get there. Turn over to Matthew chapter number 20. Matthew chapter number 20. I had it marked, but uh, I lost it. I got carried away preaching. My wife tells me not to do that. She said, don't do that. And I said, why not? She said, well, I don't want you to, I don't want you to have a heart attack. I said, I already did that. Don't worry. I already did that. Okay, Matthew chapter number 20, and look at verse number 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons. Notice how she's identified? She's the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And, she said unto, uh, and he said unto her, What wilt thou? And she said unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit on the right hand and the other on the left hand in thy kingdom. So this is what Mary Salome is primarily known for in the Bible. 
This is what this is her primary claim to fame. Is she went to Jesus and she said, Lord, I want you to make James and John the the, the key people in your kingdom. I want one to sit on the right hand and the other to sit on the left. Do you know any mamas that might do that? Huh? Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. I know a lot of people say, oh, can you believe she did that? Yeah, I can believe she did that. Hey, I've seen what happens. Nana Helen is over at the fellowship hall getting ready right now for what we're going to do later. But I guarantee you, I've, I've seen plenty of times when Nana Helen stood up for her kids. And I'm telling you, said some things and you're like, oh my goodness, did she really just say that? Yeah. They're protecting and that is exactly, now remember, remember, Mary Salome knew what it was like to grow up without a man to protect her. She learned to grow up being the daughter of Mary, and that's why they called her Mary Salome, and that's why we're talking about her this morning. She knew what it was like. Listen, before you start criticizing how somebody is conducting their ministry or how somebody is taking care of their family or how somebody is working through the difficulties of life, maybe it would be a good idea if you knew something about what their background was. I said this to somebody one day and uh, honest to goodness, I thought they were going to fall out of their chair. And, and I probably shouldn't say it to you because you're probably going to fall out of your chair too. But I know a pastor and he told me one night, one, one night after the service, he said, he said, yeah, he said, I had to go get my choir director out of jail yesterday, on Saturday afternoon. I said, and I said, you're kidding. He said, no. He said, and I said, well, what did you do? He said, well, I went and got him, and he got a good night's sleep, and he led the choir this morning. <laughs> I said, you got your choir director out of jail on Saturday, and he led the choir on Sunday? He said, yeah, he said, uh, he said, you forget where I pastor. He said, I don't have a single person in my church other than myself and my wife who did not come out of a drug culture, not one. Every single person in my congregation. Now, let me tell you something. You've got to be a man of God to do that. Pastoring Nottingham is really easy. Amen. Now, come on now. You know it's true. Pastoring Nottingham is easy compared to pastoring a church where everybody in your church, every single person in your church at one time or another has been arrested for drug usage or selling drugs or buying drugs or whatever. They're uh, somewhere down the line. And every single person in your church, and this is not a small church, church of about 200, and everybody there, man, you got to love God to do that. And this is what he said. He said, he just fell off the wagon. He said he's been clean for five years. But he had a loss this week in his family. We counseled with him. We prayed with him. And finally, on Friday night, he just couldn't take it anymore. And he went back to that old way. And he said, do you think I'm not going to love that man more now than ever before? To bring him. Listen, folks, everybody's not had the same road we've had. Whatever your road is. There are people in this congregation right now, your, your lot in life has been very difficult compared to mine. 
I grew up in a preacher's home. Worst thing in the world. That the only dra- drugs we ever had in our family was being drugged to church three times a week. And that's an easy life. I admit it. I admit it. It's an easy life. But a lot of people haven't had that easy life. They've had a hard road. They've had a difficult road. And Jesus saved them and cleansed them and gave them new life. But it doesn't mean they're perfect. And when I revert back to my old way of life, a bad word may come out of my mouth. But because drugs never went in it, I don't know how to relate to that. Do you see the difference? You see the difference? This is what's happening here. She understands what it's like not to have a protector. So she goes and she says, I want my sons to sit on the right hand and the left. Now, I'm going to close with this. I know I've probably preached too long already. But I, you know what? I've had a great time. <laughs> so, but let me show you something here. She, she had her family's best interest at heart. That's what the heart of a mother ought to have. Amen? Now, she didn't understand. She was thinking an earthly kingdom. She was thinking that Jesus was going to be king and he was going to sit on the throne in Jerusalem and, you know, and he was, going to, he was just going to take over and the scribes and the Pharisees were going to fall under his rule uh, and Rome was going to take a step back and he was going to rule Jerusalem as a, uh, as a, as a ruler of, of an earthly kingdom at this time. And she misunderstood. Jesus didn't come here to rule a physical earthly kingdom to start with. He came to, be, to uh, present and to give the reality of a spirit spiritual kingdom and a spiritual world and he came to reveal it in ways that people didn't understand and she didn't understand but let me tell you something James and John didn't understand either and apparently Peter didn't understand very much either until way later but I I do want to finish with this you say oh she was just so foolish really really So it wasn't a physical kingdom. After all, it was a spiritual kingdom. And Jesus died on a cross and rose again the third day. And 40 days after his resurrection, he ascended back into heaven to sit on the right hand of the Father. And James, her son, was the first apostle. Now, I know Stephen was the first martyr, but James was the first apostle to die a martyr's death. He gave up everything to follow the Lord Jesus. And then John, the apostle, her other son, he lived longer than any apostle on earth. He lived into his 90s. He suffered persecution. He was even exiled on the Isle of Patmos where he happened to write the book of the Revelation. And because of his keen understanding of the book of Daniel, he was able to write a book that even you and I can read today and understand after he had seen such heavenly things. So we have, the, we have the apostle who died first and we have the apostle who died last. We have the right hand and the left hand of Jesus Christ. Maybe she wasn't as far off as you thought. So when your mama says something and you want to crawl under the pew, you want to hide behind the table, you, you, you don't, you know, she may just be doing something that means more than you realize. Mary Salome, let me tell you something. She's in here for a reason. 
She's not in the Bible by accident. Mary Salome. She's worth remembering. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to bring the message today. We pray that you would move upon our congregation. Somebody here today needs Jesus. I know it. I don't know who they are. I don't know where they're sitting. I don't know what their background is. I don't know what brought them here today. But I do know that somebody here today needs Jesus. And Lord, I pray that they would not get up and walk out of this building without meeting the Lord Jesus Christ in salvation. And some Christian here today is struggling. There's things they don't understand. They've said things and done things that have been, that have been misrepresented and misunderstood. Now they're wondering if they're really serving the Lord the way they ought. Or someone has done something that they don't understand. Lord, I pray that they would not walk in the darkness, but Lord, that they might come and lay themselves at the altar of the Lord Jesus Christ and they might find the light so they can walk with you. Just like Mary was not willing to stay where she was, but she followed Jesus. Lord, I pray that spiritually we would not stay where we are, but we would follow you wherever you lead us. We ask it in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Let's stand together. When I see the sunrise in the morning, when I
the sunrise in the morning 